Good morning. You know, from time to time, <clears throat> as we work to build the kingdom of God in our parish, through our parish ministries, I encounter a well-meaning parishioner who says something like, Father, whatever is easiest, that's what we should do. But there's something about that statement that rubs me wrong, the wrong way, for our faith embraces the concept of a radical witness that follows Jesus' example, most especially did not take the easy route when he suffered and died on the cross for us. Not by any means at all. But simply doing things the easy way, at least when it comes to Christian discipleship, just doesn't work. That's why Jesus is warning us in today's gospel when he says, If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Making such a radical statement was a rabbinical teaching style to bring home an important point and get people's attention. He doesn't really mean hate as we think of it, but he does mean that if we can't love someone or something more than him and be an authentic disciple. I remember a parishioner who attended a major retreat for himself who admitted after deep prayer that in order he loved his wife, his kids, his job, and then God by how he prioritized his time and his life. After reflecting on the Gospels, he realized that this really wasn't compatible with his call to discipleship and that he needed to make changes. It's quite clear that following Jesus isn't and shouldn't be easy. One could ask, if it was easy, then is it really Christianity? Faith can never be a matter of comfort and convenience. In that sense, we put Jesus before everything, including our family, which ironically becomes easier when we realize that putting Jesus first actually is better for our family. In other words, we become who in the end we are called to be as husbands, wives, parents, and so on. So how do we make faith too easy and convenient for us? For some, it's by thinking that all we have to do is to live small, good, and private lives of faith. That's just enough. You know, paying our bills, being a good neighbor, being kind, avoiding vices like drunkenness and adultery, being a decent person. Again, they think that's enough. It reminds me of people who come to confession and say, well, I'm not a ba that bad of a person, Father. I mean, I haven't murdered anyone. It's an oddly low bar, isn't it? As Jesus says in the Gospels, even non-believers avoid such atrocities, and sometimes they're better than us. But that can't be the, all there is to being a Christian in the context of Jesus' radical statement from our Gospel today, that we must reject our families, even our material possessions, and discipleship. The cross calls us to stick our necks out and get involved, meaning that we are not just to be a moral person, but also a person of action, to doing our part to share in Jesus' work of the building the kingdom of God. That's why we so often talk about stewardship in our parish as part of being a Christian. So Jesus' first point is that we are called to be more, to more than simple moral people. He says that we have to take up a cross 
if we're going to follow him. This is the cross of self-sacrificing love, embracing adversity that we could have avoided, especially when doing so is in obedience to God and in assistance in the benefit of others. If we call ourselves Christians without some serious involvement in reaching out for whatever cross we have in our lives to bring Jesus' salvation to others, we're making our religion too easy. Similarly, other people make religion far too easy by thinking only of their own personal salvation and their own private faith. Or forgetting about the needs, for example, of society, the importance of working to promote the common good in our world, something that Pope Francis speaks about often. St. Thomas Aquinas defined it by using the term magnanimity, which means stretching forth of the soul to do great things. How do we stretch ourselves as disciples? How do we throw caution to the wind and serve God's people? I talked to a man last week who hasn't been in a choir, for example, since high school. But he said, what the heck, I'm going to give it a try. A key moment in my own vocation story occurred while reading about the magnanimous life of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who never seemed to ask, what do I have to do here? Rather, despite her huge responsibilities as the leader of a major religious order and movement, she asked, What more can I do to create something beautiful for God, as she said? She taught me that Jesus requires more of me than just going to Mass and confession and trying to get my own soul to heaven. Discipleship requires that I do my part to make the world a better place, a more godly place like Mother Teresa did. That if I don't align myself with the work of the kingdom of God in this life, how can I expect the kingdom of God in the life to come? We have a great example of magnanimity in the call of St. Paul to Philemon in our second reading today. St. Paul calls Philemon to greatness of faith as he dealt with his own slave, Philemon, or Onesimus. Onesimus escaped from Philemon. Slavery in the time of Christ was common and most times under appalling conditions. St. Paul was eager to protect Onesimus, but he also saw an opportunity to propose a better way to Philemon, who claimed that he was a disciple of the Lord, yet he had a slave. So instead of hiding Onesimus, where he would never be free from the fear of enslavement, and instead of demanding that Philemon uh, grant him his freedom, St. Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon probably the dismay of Onesimus and, and to the surprise of Philemon. But St. Paul also sent a letter with Onesimus proposing a better way of stretching his faith to greatness. St. Paul called Philemon higher. He proposes that Philemon be supernaturally generous and big-hearted in the Lord. You know, giving up a slave meant surrendering valuable property in the ancient world. In St. Paul's letter, however, Onesimus is not a slave. Paul humanizes Onesimus. Rather, St. Paul calls him a beloved brother in the Lord. And he has confidence that Philemon will do the right thing and set him free. 
So again, religion starts with an intensely private matter, our personal relationship with the Lord. But that relationship should unite us to Jesus in a way that conforms to his and motivating us to try to live as he did and stand for the things that he stood for. And what was Jesus concerned about in this life? Well, among other things, he was very concerned about the hungry, the sick, the oppressed, Without a concern for the needy and for the needs of society, religion can degenerate into a tidy and personal relationship with God that in the end is a cop-out. Jesus said, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For the cross can never be a symbol of ease and convenience. I'm convinced, by the way, that we really don't want that we really, want, we really do not want to be mediocre. We want a religion that challenges us to be our very best, that pushes us to be saints, as we say. So let us pray for zeal in our discipleship. That is, it contagious and will call others to Christ that in the end will create a world that is worth living in for ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren, and will eventually lead us to the eternal life of heaven.